Welcome to the Word of Life Center podcast. It's our desire that today's message would equip and empower you to see the Word of God bring life to your life. Uh, Open your Bibles to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Proverbs 3, uh, 5, and 6. For some of you, uh, if you've been around in in church for a while, this is a pretty familiar verse of Scripture, a couple verses of Scripture. Uh, It might be your life Scripture. How many many in here have at least one life Scripture? Anybody have one? In other words, it's one of your go-to scriptures you got it memorized. It's part of your life. If, if someone squeezed you or circumstances squeezed you, it's going to come out, right? And so, uh, so this could be one of, one of your life scriptures. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How many believe that the Lord can be trusted? How many believe it's wise that we trust the Lord? How many believes that as we trust God, he's not going to disappoint us? Amen. And, and it goes on. It says, and do not rely on your own understanding. How many knows that can mess you up? <laughs> you start leaning or, or uh, relying on your own understanding, which is limited. That can get you messed up. Verse 6 says, acknowledge him in all your ways. Watch this. And he will make your paths what? Make your paths straight. Let's focus in on that last there's last few words there, the last phrase. It says, he will make your paths straight. Listen, if your paths need straightened out, that means that your paths are crooked. <laughs> that means that you can't really see around the corner. If your paths need to be straightened out or God can straighten out your paths, that means that your paths at times and maybe seasons in your life can be confusing. Can, can be really not very, 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 very clear. And it can be very, very complicated. How many of you in this room believe that we could use a little simplicity in our life? How many in this room could, could use a little more simplicity in their life? Or how many in this room just love chaos? Does anybody here love chaos? Does anybody in this room just love confusion? Do you wake up in the morning and go, I just want my life to be chaotic today. I want it to be confusing. I want it to be crazy. Uh, I just love chaos and I just love it when I'm confused. I love it when my paths are crooked. If you believe that this morning and you, you responded as, yes, I love that, there's gonna be a, a prayer team up here after the service. Knock everybody out of the way to get up here and get prayed for because you need some help from heaven, all right? <laughs> But the truth is, our, our paths uh, can be a little bit crazy at times, can be, be, be confusing, especially when it comes to choices. It can get confusing when we have some crucial choices, when those choices come in, uh, into play and we're, we're faced with some choices that we need to make, especially, I'm not talking about choices that are like, uh, what, where do you want to go eat or what, what's your favorite color? Or, well, I'm talking about those crucial Crucial choices where you got to get it right. How many knows in life there you will have many choices that you just need to get them right. You just need to get those right. And so choices are um, are crucial. They're very important for for several reasons. And let me give you a couple. One is this: is the choices that we make today determine who and what we become in the future. In other words, the choice that you make today affects your future. The choices that you make today affect who and what you become in the future. How many believes that, that who you are today and where you are today should be, shouldn't be the same tomorrow? Can I have a better amen than that? I mean, the Bible says that we do go from faith to what? 
faith and from glory to glory, meaning that there should be what? Change. I know we love that word. <laughs> I know we love change, right? But, but the truth is, is that, that we're, like I said earlier, we're on this path, on this journey, and there should, be, there, should be, there should be change. So choices we make today affect who and what we become, what we become tomorrow. Choices are crucial because, and listen very closely to this and pay close attention to this one, that, that choice, the choice we make today determines where God lines up tomorrow. The choice we make today determines where God lines up tomorrow. Let me, let me explain that a little bit because some of you are like, I need, a little, I need that explained a little bit, right? Listen, God can be on the other side of the line from you at times. And you're going, I thought God loved me all the time. Yes, God loves you all the time. That's not what we're talking about. But there can be times and there are times when God will line up on this side of the line with you in regards to choices that you make. But then there are times that when we make choices or we're faced with choices, we make those decisions or we make those choices that God will line up on the other side. You're over here and God is over here. Does it mean that God doesn't love us? No, he still loves us. He's still crazy and madly in love with us. You say, well, well, Pastor John, what kind of choices causes God to line up on the opposite side where he opposes me? What kind of choices would that be? It would be choices that are based on what you want. It would be choices based on selfishness. It would be choices based on uh, when you're just trying to live life on your own and make it on your own and do everything on your own. But see, when, when, when we decide that we're going to choose God and choose God's way and say, God, I need your grace in my life. I need your help in my life. And, and what I am believing for and standing for and the choices that are, I am making are really not all about me. It's about you. It's about others. What happens is, is that God comes on this side of the line and he begins to walk that choice out with you. Now, you're probably you're probably like Pastor John. I need a scripture for that one. Well, I'm I'm glad you asked. I've got one right here. James James four six says, "But he God gives greater grace." Aren't you thankful for God and the fact that He gives grace? It helps us. Aren't you thankful for that? Therefore, it says, "God opposes the proud. God lines up against the proud. The proud." Those who are making their decisions, saying it's about me, it's about my life, I can do it on my own. He lines up where? On the opposite side of the line from us. That he opposes, he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the what? So the choices that we make are very, very important. The choices that we make determines what side of the line that God lines up on. Choices are crucial, listen to me, but they don't have to be complicated. They're crucial, but they, they, don't have to be, they don't have to be complicated. So this message today that I, have for, uh, that I have for you, it's really only two points. Everybody say, thank God for two points. And some of you are probably like, we're going to get out of here in about like 10 minutes. No, you're not going to get out in about 10 minutes. So I'll get you out within at least an hour. I promise you, I won't. No, I'm just joking. So a couple of things I need you to, rem- to, that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit wants us to remember when we're making these crucial choices. Number one, 
when you're faced with a choice, I always think this. I always think God first. I always think God first. When you're, when you're, when you're, when you're at that point of making that decision, that crucial choice, that crucial decision, always, 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 remember, stop and think God first. And here's why. Here's why. I said this before, and I'll be saying it again for a long time. With God, order matters. With God, order matters. Listen, and here's why. Because when God is first, he influences everything that follows. When God is first, he influences everything that what? That, that's the reason over and over, Old Testament, New Testament, you see, you see folks, you see people telling God's people, put God first, put God first, put God first, see God first, put God first. Your life will be better when you put God first. I didn't say it would always be easier. How many knows that the easy way is not always the best way? It's not always easier, but it's better because when you put God first, listen to me, everything that follows, he's going to influence. Everything that follows, he's going to be a part of. Remember what Proverbs says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? That we put what God who? Where? Put him what? And then what does he do? He begins to influence behind that. You know what one of God's, or excuse me, one of the greatest challenges to God first in our life? One of the greatest challenges. It's, it's busyness. <laughs> it's busyness. It seems like busy is a badge of honor. It's like we wear it with pride these days. Right? I mean, you talk to people, hey, man, how's it going? How, how's life? Oh, it's what? It's. Hey, how's work? How's work? It's what? It's. How's this week been? It's what? It's been. So it's like we're walking around and we got this badge and we wear it with pride and that badge says busyness and we're busy. In it. And I think one of the reasons is that we believe that busyness proves or shows somebody that, that, that we're, we're important or that we're successful. But how many of you know that just because you're busy doesn't mean, doesn't mean that you're necessarily successful? I like what one old minister said. This is really good. If Satan, he said this, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. I mean, and knows that's true. If Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you what? He'll make, listen, the enemy doesn't mind you being busy. He just doesn't want you to be effective. <laughs> the enemy, could, he doesn't mind you being busy. Matter of fact, I think sometimes he likes for you to be busy. Because some, uh, sometimes we're so busy, we just lose sight of the fact that, that we're not very effective. And, and, but, but, but listen, the reality, the, the reality is, is, is this, is, is that, that we can get so busy with life that we, 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 we lose our effectiveness and we begin to waste our life. Do you think it's possible? Do you think it's possible that we can be very, very, very busy but have very little fruit in our life? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. But, but the, the truth is, it's not a new problem. Busyness is not a 21st century problem. In other words, this just didn't come up on the radar recently. It's been around a long time. As a matter of fact, there's this prophet named Haggai. Haggai, that, that, that he spoke to God's people several hundred years ago. Several hundred years ago, God is saying this to, to, to his people through Haggai. He says this, he says, you've planted much, but, but gathered little. You, you've been real busy planting You've been real busy working, 
but, but, but you gather little. You, you, you eat, but there is not enough to fill you. You drink, but you never have your feel. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. You get it? You earn money, but you put it in bags with holes. How many, how many have ever been there before? Maybe you're there now, right? In other words, I'm working, I'm busy, I've got a little ton of activity in my life, but I'm just not getting ahead. I'm not progressing in my life spiritually. I'm not progressing in my life in my marriage. I'm not progressing in my life. I've got a lot of activity, but I'm not very effective. It's not a new problem. Therefore, the same answer that Haggai gave God's people is still relevant today. Haggai 1.7 says, the Lord of all says, think about your ways. I'm going to paraphrase. My paraphrase is this. Stop. Stop and think about what you're doing. Stop and evaluate your life. Take a look at your busyness and your activity and measure it against how effective that you really are and how fruitful that you really are. Can somebody say a better amen than that? So the question this morning is, in my busyness, where's God? In my busyness, am I making God first choices? Remember, remember Proverbs 3, 6 says again, in everything you do, put God first. Order matters. Watch this. And he will direct you and crown your efforts with what? In other words, put God first. And then what follows? He's going to direct you. How many? Some direction. And then he crowns your efforts with what? Anybody getting anything out of this already this morning? When you're making a decision, crucial decision, stop and go, am I putting God first? Is this a God first decision? One of my favorite disciples, Jesus followers in the Bible is Peter. And one of the reasons I love Peter, I love studying Peter, reading about Peter, is because if Jesus allowed Peter to hang around him, we've all got a chance. Come on, somebody. We, we've all got, got a chance. So one day Jesus is preaching. This is before he officially met Peter. So he's preaching and there are people that are gathering. He's, he's near a large lake and there are people gathered around to hear Jesus preach. Verse uh, Luke 5, 2 says, Then he noticed two empty boats standing by the water's edge while the fishermen were washing their nets. So, so get, picture this. Jesus is preaching. There are people everywhere. He's by a large lake. And so while Jesus is preaching, people are continuing to gather. There are people coming from everywhere because he was a phenomenal preacher. He was different than the Pharisees and those who had talked about God prior to him. He was different. So people were coming from all over and they're listening. And so Jesus is needing some help. He's needing to make an adjustment so he can communicate more effectively. And so Jesus, uh, he's looking around and he sees a couple of boats. And on the other side of the boats, he sees some fishermen over there. And Jesus is probably familiar with fishermen because he, he knows what they do. He realizes that they've been up all night because they're, they're cleaning their nets in the morning. So he's, they're cleaning their nets. Jesus is preaching. And, and, and he realizes that he needs some help. And again, it says he, he, he noticed, Jesus noticed, two empty boats standing by the water's edge. And the, the fishermen are washing their what? Their, get that in your mind. They were wrapping up, the fishermen, they're wrapping up, getting ready to go home because they're tired. This is kind of the last thing they do before they're able to go home after they've been working hard, after working hard all night. And then this happens. Jesus, as he looked at the couple of boats, he didn't sit there and look at them. He walked over to them and he gets in one of the boats. In verse three, it says, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, he said, hey, 
So Simon and, the, and crew were standing over here to the side and they're cleaning and sure they've heard Jesus teaching and sure that they've probably noticed the people gathering, but they're focused on this because they got to get home. They're tired. Been working all night. And so then, then above the noise and above all the activity, Simon hears somebody say, hey, Simon looks up and he, he looks over towards Jesus. This dude is standing in his boat and, and Jesus, Jesus is saying, hey, is this, whose boat is this? Whose boat is this? Peter's like, it's mine. So so Jesus says, hey, come over here and help me. Why don't you push out a little bit from the, uh, the, get in here with me and let's push out a little bit from the shore because I want to communicate. I want to talk to these folks. So Peter had a choice to make. Who's going to be first? Is it Peter? Cleaning the nets. Is it, is, it, is it Peter? I want to get home. Peter had a decision to make. Is he going to choose urgent over important? Is he going to, is he going to choose urgent? I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I got to get home. Is he going to, this has to be done right now, right now, right now. Is he going to choose urgent over what? Important. What's important? Jesus needs his boat. Let me say it this way. Jesus needs his help. Can I say something about Jesus? Jesus needs help. You say, <laughs> well, with what? He needs you. He needs you as a vessel. Because there are people all around you every day that need to know about him. That he, he needs you. You're the vessel. That I believe today, by the Holy Spirit, he's calling out. He's saying, hey, what are you doing over there? Here's the question. Are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the urgent over the important? It got pretty quiet in this church this morning. He made the right choice. He made the right decision. He, he moved away from the urgent to the important. And remember now, remember, order matters. Order matters. Proverbs 3, 6 says again, in everything you do, put God first, watch this, and he'll direct you. He'll direct you. So, so Jesus asked Peter for the boat. Peter got in the boat. They went out. Jesus finished Preaching, he finished teaching. Then came some time for some direction. Remember, because the Bible says if you put God first, he'll what? He'll direct your path. So, so, so I'm sure when Jesus was wrapping up, Peter, old Pete, thought, man, I'm just go home. I'm just go home. I'm tired. I'm glad I got to help out, but I'm tired. But instead of rowing back and going back to the shore, Jesus came back and said, no, no, no. I don't want you to go to the shore. Don't go this way. I want you to go this way. I want you to go out into the deep a little bit. Because why? When you put God first, he'll what? He'll direct your path. Luke 5, 4 says, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets. You're going to catch a lot of fish. Again, Peter's at the point, he's got to make another choice. He's got to make another decision. It's going to take more time. I want to go home. I want to do my thing. But he had to make a decision. He said, you know what? I'm, I'm, not going to, 
I'm not going to go with what my experience has been because I've been all night. I haven't caught anything, but I'm going to go beyond my experience. I'm going to trust what Jesus says. How many knows it's important to trust what God says when he's directing you? Whose wisdom is going to be first? Is it, is it my wisdom based on my experience or is it going to be Jesus and his wisdom? Am I going to trust that Peter had a choice to make? How many knows the first choice in putting God first is not the only choice that you make because there are times when, when, when you got to keep God first as you're walking the decision, as you're walking the choice out. I'll tell you a quick story about my grandfather, my Papa Welch. He was a golfer. He loved to golf. I don't know what happened to me. Now, I'm really good at putt-putt. But golf frustrates me to no end. I, is there anybody in the house like that? And people, people are like, hey, Pastor John, why don't you come? And we're going to go have fun and play golf. Golf is not fun to me. Golf is frustrating. <laughs> Got a couple of amens on that, on that one. But as a kid, I used to go golfing with my grandfather. We called him Papaw, Papaw Welch. And, and he was a phenomenal golfer, phenomenal golfer. But there's a couple of things about him that, 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 that always I thought was, was pretty, pretty funny. Number one is that he never played golf without betting. Never. In other words, in other words, they would before they teed off on number one, they would all he and his buddies would all decide, okay, we're going to play for a quarter hole, twenty five cents a hole. In other words, whoever won the hole got the twenty five cents, and so so he he gambled a little bit and he enjoyed it. So one day I'll never forget this. My mom, my mom said uh, his name was JD. She said, JD, you got to stop gambling. That's not good. He said, honey, it's not gambling when you know you're going to win. So he just <laughs> had complete confidence in himself when it came to this golf thing. And so when I was, you know, eight, 10 years old, I would go golfing with him. One of the things I loved about going golfing with him is that I got to uh, drive the cart. I to, got to drive the golf cart. And, and so I'd drive the golf cart and we would pull up there and, and he would tell me, he would say, all right, John, I need my driver or I need my nine iron or I need my, my pitching wedge. And my grandfather wasn't a very big man. He was actually a little bit shorter than me. So he didn't drive the ball very long. No words that first hit off the green, uh, uh, I mean, excuse me, off the tee. He didn't drive it a long ways, but he was really, really good when it got close to the green, his irons and, and, then, and, then, and then, then this other little club that I'm going to talk about in a moment. He was really, really good about that. So I knew when Papa got the ball went on the green, I knew what club he was going to ask for. He would say, John, give me my money club. <laughs> and I knew it was the putter. I knew that's what he was talking about. Because if you know anything about golfing, you know, if you can putt well, if you can putt well, you're going to, you've got a good chance at winning. All right, so he would say, John, give me my money club. So I'd go grab that putter out of there and I'd hand him the money club. And so I remember Papa, he would go and, 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 um, and get behind that ball. And let's say, let's say the hole was over here. The hole was over this way. He would get behind that ball and he would kneel down and he would look at everything and he would stand up and look at it and, and even do this, you know, I'm holding that. And, and as an eight or 10 year old, I was like, Papa, just put the thing. <laughs> Hit the ball, Papa driving me crazy with my eight-year-old patients over here. I was just... And, and so, so I remember standing behind him and watching this. From behind, I'd watch this. And I, I remember, Papa, there at times, that, that, let, let's say the hole was here. Uh, Papa wouldn't line up like this. There were times Papa would line up like this. Now, the hole is there. And he would line up this way. And with my eight-year-old mind, I'm thinking, Papa... You're putting the wrong way. The, the hole is not there, Papa. But I didn't say anything because you're not supposed to say anything when people are golfing, right? Or they're, they're, they're getting ready to hit. And, and, and I would say, I would think, I would say, Papa, you're putting the wrong way. 
But you know why? Papa, he would, he, would, he would line up this way. The, the hole was there. And he would, he would hit that ball. Thank you for that noise effect. That was really good. That was good that. that was not planned either. <laughs> you didn't hear that. You heard it like that. But anyway. I'm not going to do it again. Anyway. So he would putt. And I'd watch that ball. Now, it wouldn't start out right at the hole. But I'd watch that ball, and it would go. And it would go. And the closer it got to that hole, the more it began to turn. And he would sink those putts. Do you know why? Because Papaw knew the right direction to putt. And that's what made him a great putter. Can I talk to you about another great putter? His name is God. His name is God. You see, Jesus, that day, he putted Peter in the right direction. Peter probably didn't think he was going in the right direction. But Peter trusted that Jesus could putt. Are you following this? And what happened? What happened? Peter put God first. He put him first. Jesus gave him direction. He directs. He gave direction. And listen to me. Then Jesus, Jesus made sure that his efforts were crowned with success. Because just hours before, Peter had pulled up some empty nets into this boat. But because Peter trusted that Jesus could putt well, he trusted his direction. And he put Jesus' wisdom above his own wisdom. When Peter pulled those nets up the second time, listen to me, what happened? They were full. I said, they were full. I said, they were full. Listen to me. When you're making critical decisions, listen, order matters. You ask yourself, is God first in this choice? Can I have a better amen than that? I think that was a really good point. Amen. So what's God, what's God saying? What's God saying to you this morning? What's the Holy Ghost? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? He's saying, put God first in every choice, especially. Listen, it does not have to be complicated. It can be very simple. Am I putting God first in this decision? Amen? Amen. The second one is this. The second thing to remember when you're faced with those crucial decisions, a very important decision. Just remember this. Think this. Purpose. Everybody say the word purpose as you're writing it down. Purpose. Know your purpose. Know your purpose. One of the things that, 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 that we at Word of Life, and we've always been this at Word of Life, and we'll always be and we'll always be working to get it better, is to help people connect with their purpose. That's always been and we will always be, and we will always be working harder at connecting people at their purpose. Amen? Listen, the most fulfilled you will ever be in your life is when you're living in God's purpose. The most satisfied you'll ever be in your life is when you are living out God's purpose. Can somebody have a better amen than that? But listen, when you know your purpose, it's easy to make a choice in a not, it's easier to make a choice in a not so easy moment. When you know your purpose. 
I'll give you a couple examples of this. One, one is Jesus. One is Jesus just hours before, just hours before uh, he's to go to the cross. The Bible, the scriptures record what's going on in his, 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 his world, what's going on in his life, what's going on in his soul. Just hours before Jesus is, 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 is alone and he's... he's, he's um, uh, in his mind, matter of fact, let me go to this. John 12, 27, Jesus says, my, now my soul is troubled. This is hours before he's to go to the cross. Now, now listen, when he said, now my soul is troubled, what he meant by that is I've got a lot going on in my mind. There's a lot of stuff going on in my mind right now. There's a lot of stuff going on in my soul right now. It's very, very troubled. It's like a, it's like a storm going on. And, and, and here's, the, here's the reason why, that, that Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the cross was coming. And for us Westerners, or really us living in, in, in the 21st century, we, we really can't grasp what that would have been like. But Jesus could because how many times do you think Jesus walked by people hanging on a cross? How many times do you think Jesus uh, walked by when they were scourging, the Roman soldiers were, were scourging a person, beating them merciless before they got on the cross? How many times do you think he saw that? And that's the reason when he knew that he was just hours before he would hang on the cross, there was a storm going on in his soul. But then he made this statement. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. In other words, he's making a choice. He's making a decision. God, should I say, my, 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 my soul is troubled. I know what's coming, Jesus is saying. But should I say this to God? My father, father, save me from this. Look what he said. He said, but for this purpose, I came to this, what? Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus, our Savior, when it came to making this choice, it was very easy. Do you know why it was very easy? He knew his, what? He knew his purpose. Paul wrestled with decisions and making choices. Philippians 1, 23 and 24, it says, I feel torn between the two. Again, it's like a storm going on. He's torn. He de- he's trying to make this decision because I, de- I have a desire to depart and, and be with Christ, which is, uh, which is better by far. In other words, it's a good thing. If I go, with, go to Christ, I, go, I leave. It's a good thing. Go to heaven. It's good. But it is more vital for your sake that I remain in the body. In other words, Paul is like, man, it'd be great to go. And then the other side of it, he was like, no. Nah, it's better for you. He's talking about church folk. He's talking about people that he was serving. He's talking about people that he had the chance to influence. He said, listen, it, it, it'd be great for me to go, but it'd be better if I stayed. Verse 25, it says, and since, and since I am sure of this, I'm sure of what? I'm sure of my purpose. I'm sure that I know that I'm here to, to influence you and be a blessing to you and that I'm not here to live my life just for myself. I'm here to live for you. He said, I'm sure of this. I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for the sake of your progress and the joy in the faith. He knew his purpose. As I wrap up this morning, I want to talk to you about two other gentlemen. Two other gentlemen that were faced with decisions. They were faced with choices. Matter of fact, it was a choice. They were very, very similar. Very, very similar choices, but they had drastically different outcomes. They made drastically different choices. The first one is a guy by the name of, of David. In David's time, this is in David's, uh, the point that I'm talking about here was later on in David's life, he was a king. He was a great king. He was a great leader. And it was in this moment, it was in this season 
that, that David's men, David's army, David's generals, they were, um, they were uh, at, at war. You see, back in those days, back in those days, uh, folks just didn't fight at any time. It's raining, we can't kill each other today. It's, weather's bad, we can't kill each other today. No, there were, there were seasons that they would go and that they would fight. And it was in this season that, that David's, David's generals, they're away. And he's, he's not. He's at, he's, he's, he's at home. And he's up on top of his penthouse one day. And he's looking around, sort of surveying everything. And he looks over to the left, and then he looks over to the right. Looks over to the left, and then he comes back to the right. I don't know if it says that. That's just the way I see it. Just that way. But he, in other words, he looked this way and then he came back. And what he saw down below him, he saw, he saw a woman and she was bathing and she was naked. And he was all by himself because he was all by himself because the soldiers and the generals that he was to serve, he wasn't with them. And he said, hey, who is that? He called for one of his servants and said, who is that woman over here? Said, go get her and bring her to me. And they did that. They did that. And you know what happened? He moved towards this woman by the name of Bathsheba. And that choice cost him. See, why did he do that? Should he have had more self-control? Absolutely. But one of the reasons he did that is that he forgot his purpose. He forgot that he was a servant. He forgot the moment that he stood before his king, King Saul, and said, oh, don't worry about that giant. Your servant will go take care of him. Because if he would have remembered his purpose, he would have been serving his generals and serving his men and leading them in battles and overcoming God's and their uh, adversaries. But then there was another guy by the name of Joseph. Not Mary's husband, Joseph in Genesis. Joseph had been sold out by his, his own family. His brothers had sold him out. Sold him in to be a slave. But you know about Joseph, don't you? You know about Joseph. Man, circumstances had pushed him down, and guess what happened? He'd come right back up. He ended up in prison. He'd come right back up. He ended up in jail. He'd come right back up. He ended up, just happened over and over. And so one at one point, he was uh, a servant in, in, uh, in Potiphar's house. He came in as a servant before long. He was running the place. But then there was another woman there. Potiphar's wife. I don't know how it started. I don't know if it was just a glance or just a little small talk here or there. I don't know how it started. But eventually, eventually Potiphar's wife said, Joseph, man, you're looking hot. You know, you're looking right. Those muscles, oh man, you're just awesome. Come on. Why don't you sleep with me? I'm yours. It'll be amazing. Very similar circumstance to David. Very similar. But, but Joseph made a different choice. What did he do? He ran. Run, Forrest, run, run, Joseph, run. And here's why. Joseph knew his purpose. His purpose was to serve in that house. He was not entitled to that woman. She was not his wife. 
and he ran. And how many of you know, you read the rest of Joseph's life? He did face some challenges, but he never lost the heart of a servant. Listen to me. And he even was able to bless and help the very people that sold him out. Why? Because Joseph never lost sight of his purpose. He never lost sight of it. So this morning you may be going, Pastor John, what's my purpose? I can tell you what your purpose is. I know what it is. It's to influence people for Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. I know that's your purpose. Why? Because that is all of our purpose. Our gifts may be different. Our gifts might be. But our purpose is all the same. Come on, I have better amen than that. I know you don't get excited over that. I know you don't get excited over you influencing somebody, but that's why you're here, and we need to get excited about that. Come on now. Come on now. We need to be excited that we're not here just to pay our refrigerator bill, pay bills, go home. No, we're here. We're here to make a difference. That's why we're here. Filled with the Holy Ghost, not just to have goosebumps, but to make a difference. It's why we're here. It's why we exist. We can help you with that here at Word of Life Center. Get in Discover. If you've not been in Discover, get in Discover. That's one of the steps that will help you discover what your purpose is. What's God saying this morning? Big, tough choices don't have to be complicated. They don't have to be complicated. Just stop and ask, is God first in this decision? Just stop and ask. Is this decision, this choice, is it going to pull me away from God's purpose where I'm so busy I don't have time for God's purpose? Or is it going to allow me and, 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 and cause me to move further in God's purpose for my life? Thanks for listening to the Word of Life Center podcast. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter or at our website, wordoflifecenter.org.